Probe. Probe. Scalpel. Scalpel. And straight We're to track one. four. Track four coming up. You're going to be all right. No, I am not human. I am not like you. Nobody like you, Mr. Smith. I need a beryllium atomic clock. This is 1999, isn't it? You can't wait any longer, Grace. No, I'm not human. I'm not human. It's okay, I got it. Try not to speak, Mr. Smith. We've already taken out all the bullets, so now we're going to listen to your heart and try to find out why it's so wild, and then I'm going to fix it. You'll be fine. Okay. He's under. <gasps> Timing malfunction. The master. He's out there. He's out there. Scalpel. I've got to stop. Somehow I don't think this man's name is Mr. Smith, do you? You get that feeling? Live from a parallel universe London where Barry Letts is Prime Minister and color separation overlay ain't just a good idea, baby. It's the law. Hold on to your blue screens. It's Doctor Who Podshock. Pod This is Doctor Who Podshock for episode 51 for Monday, the 21st of August 2006. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode. Uh, I'm here, of course, with uh, my good mate, Louis Trapani. Hello! And uh, Ken, uh, sadly, can't be with us at the moment. He has to... Uh, he has some obligations, so we say, but uh, he hopefully will be joining us via the telephone. Perhaps, yeah, by hook or by crook, we're going to get him on board one way or the other. Well, let's hope we can. Indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, we it's uh, a bit of a, a whirlwind show because we're going to get straight into the news. And uh, it's been an interesting week for news because uh, all, all sort of stuff's been going down with... Um, uh, well, we reported on the show last week, of course, that uh, it was kind of umming and ahhing about the U.S. Uh, coming out uh, with the, the second series on the Sci-Fi Channel. Um, mm -hmm. But it's now officially been confirmed, of course, uh, because, of course, it was uh, like a, a PDF file on the Internet that had been circulating around. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, like from NBC Cable or something like that. And, you know, we were talking about it last week. Um, we, when 
well, actually, it was two weeks ago when we actually recorded the episode. And then, um, as per usual, after we recorded it, the official announcement came from the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, indicating that they are indeed uh, picking up the 2006 series or Series 2, uh, and will start... Well, there, there was some speculation when it was actually going to start. We knew that it was going to be September 29th, but it was, was it going to be the Christmas Invasion and New Earth, or just the Christmas Invasion? And as of the latest information we have, it's going to be 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Sci-Fi Channel. It will sh they will show the Christmas Invasion because they have a time slot of... Uh, they're not releasing the titles of what episodes they're showing actually yet, but judging from the time slot they're provided, from 8 p.m. to 9.30 is going to be a Doctor Who episode, we're assuming, will be the Christmas Invasion, since it's an hour-and-a-half time slot. You figure with commercial ads, it will fill up that time slot. And then from 9.30 to 10.30, another episode of Doctor Who, which we're going to assume is New Earth. So Series 2 will then, you know, is will officially begin on September 29th on the Sci-Fi Channel. Mm. And, uh, of course... The Sci-Fi Channel released a bit of a press statement about it, and the the head of uh, the the programming, well, actually the vice president, a chap called Chris Regina, has said uh, our audience has clearly embraced Doctor Who, and it has delivered a significant increase in viewers in this time period. We're looking forward to keeping the momentum going with David Tennant as the new Doctor, uh, and of course. Russell T. Davies also had to comment on the uh, situation and said, We were delighted by the first season's success in the US and can promise new thrills, new laughs, new heartbreak, and some terrifying new aliens in season two. So, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's all incredibly interesting. I mean, it just kind of exploded the, the viewing figures over at Sci Fi. I mean, I think, I can't remember, but Taris was saying, quoting exactly how many uh, new viewers there were to the sci-fi channel just as a result of Doctor Who and it was a terrific number I think it was somewhere on the forums mm -hmm. um, but it, it really had a, a huge impact on um, on the sci-fi channel so yeah. really everybody was saying you know they'd be stupid not to take to pick up series two just on the back of the ratings alone mm -hmm. and the exactly. all the feedback I mean that they'd had from it we had pretty strong suspicion that they were going to do, you know, go ahead with, with Series 2, and we just wasn't sure exactly when. And then in talk within the industry indicated that it would be indeed this, you know, this autumn that they would be doing it. So we're delighted that, you know, it has come, to, you know, now that it's official that they are showing it. And, um, you know, as you were saying, James, the... the the viewing figures were higher for that uh, for when they showed the 2005 series, the Christopher Eccleston series. Uh, the, the viewership, at, you know, was increased compared to the same quarter the previous year. That you know, so judging from that, obviously it brought more viewers to to their network. Mm, mm. So. I mean, uh, it, it, there's been kind of also a bit of rivalry between Canada and the U.S. as to who's. Well, I think that's probably solely, solely between. <laughs> that's like seems to be just within Doctor Who Podchak. Uh, starting with last week's podcast, <laughs> Ken was started this whole little rivalry going, and since then, uh, you know, we had Mike on the show last week, and uh, you know, he spoke about the the uh, the CBC and their, you know about them showing series two as well, and. And he reported on BBC Kids, and since then he's reporting right now on, on our site about BBC, BBC Kids are now going to be showing 
certain episodes that sort of relate to the 2006 series or, or series two, such as, um, I, I guess, in relationship with School Reunion, they're shown Time Warrior, which was, um, I believe, Sarah Jane Smith's first story, um, you know, as, as well as Canine and Company. They're, they're showing that as well. They're showing Terror of the Zygons, Pyramids of Mars, which had uh, Wolf's Gear, Gabriel as Sutek in it. Uh, Ark in Space, Hand of Fear. Hand of Fear obviously was Sarah's last hurrah, you know, in, in the in the series before she came back for School Reunion. Invisible Enemy. Uh, they're also in relationship to Cybermen are showing Revenge of the Cybermen, Earthshock, Attack of the Cybermen, and Silver Nemesis. Mm. So, um, if and they're also, this is in addition to their... John Pertwee episodes that they've been showing, so mm, something on top mm, of that. Mm. So if you do get BBC Kids in Canada, it's a great opportunity to catch these classic episodes. Indeed, but also we should mention that uh, Mike also reported on our site um, that it's not actually the CBC and not the Sci-Fi Channel that are going to be the first to show oh, yes. the second yeah. series mm -hmm. in in North America, but it's Z-Tele, which is the French uh, sort of language mm -hmm. sci-fi channel, which is based in Quebec, obviously. Um, it's quite cool because um, Mike was kind enough a while ago to send me some uh, DVDs of the first series in French, which is pretty awesome, and uh, it was really funny to watch it, and uh, I, I speak... Well, I spoke, learned French for seven years, but uh, my French is quite poor, I must admit. But it was quite funny to kind of rejuvenate my language because I get, don't get to use it that often and pick up uh, what was going on. And it helped, obviously, because I knew the plot <laughs> of what was oui. going on. But anyway, that's beside oui, the oui. point. But um, <laughs> that's, the, the, that's the extent of my French. There you go. <laughs> you know one word, that'll get you far, mate. That'll get you far. But um, ZTLA is, is going to air L'Invasion de Noël, which is, of course, uh, the Christmas invasion, on Tuesday, the, the 22nd of August. So um, it will probably already have been shown by the time this podcast gets out there. And it's, of course, going to be at 8 o'clock uh, EDT. And it's got re repeats on Thursday at 5 o'clock, Friday at 10 o'clock, Saturday at 8 a.m. in the morning. Uh, Sunday at 4 p.m. in the afternoon and Tuesday at 2 p.m. So they're showing it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And the Christmas Invasion uh, previously inv uh, aired in Canada in English on CBC, which was, a, I think it was on Boxing Day, um, because it was like the day after it was shown here in the UK. Yes, yes. And then they're going to show um, Nouvelle Terre, which is a new earth, literally translated not new earth, but a new earth. Um, on Tuesday the 29th of August at 8 o'clock um, and it's also going to have the same schedule of repeat broadcasts so they're showing the, uh, the second series a lot on um, on Doctor um, on Z-Tele I should say um, mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome so it's, it seems that the new series are really going going down a storm in Canada uh, they must have had a huge amount of demand um, to show, to justify showing the show so much, um, repeating it so much as well. So it, I think that's really awesome and credit to Canada. And it, I think it's quite funny how the French side of things gets to show it uh, first in North America, which I guess no one was expecting. 
Oh, it's it's all good in the end. I mean, it's you know, I'm just glad that you know everyone's getting a chance to see it, regardless. It's who gets it first. You know, it's just a matter of a few weeks, so it's mm. um, it, mm. it's it's all good. You know, whereas last year, 2005, it was this you know incredible chasm of missed opportunity because the U.S. Um, there was no place to see the 2005 series in the U.S. until the Sci-Fi Channel picked it up, and that was um, March 17th was, you know, of this year is when they started showing last year's series. So at least it's, you know, and that's almost, I believe it was March 24th that it debuted of last year in on BBC, so it's almost, almost like... Yeah. Almost like one year to the date almost that they were behind. So um, at least now it's, it's, what is it, six months or something like that, or, or April 17th it started here, and now it's... September 29th, so five months, whatever that is. Yeah, it's nice that uh, it's it's catching on and catching up. Um, obviously, it goes without saying. Anyway, I think we've ranted on a, about uh, the second series enough. Let's move on to the next news story. Lewis, what's Yeah, let's, what's, let's what's go happening? into the third series, or, or the 2007 series, as I like to say. Uh, and that's um, um, that, well, the, I guess the newest thing is... Um, the costumes. If you go yeah. to the Doctor Who website, you'll get to, on their splash page. You'll get to see the Doctor and Martha. The, his spoiler for those that don't know, he has a new companion, uh, and you'll see them in their new threads. And uh, the Doctor sporting a blue pinstripe outfit this time around with a yeah. tie. As opposed to black, it looks quite nice. I like it because it kind of. Uh, I've got it on my desktop right now, and I like how. Mm -hmm. The um, the suit kind of really complements the color of the TARDIS. They're really yeah. a similar sort of mm -hmm. shade, and I, I'm also kind of bleeding into the next news story that um, obviously they've started filming. But um, I got the chance to see um, Freema interviewed. It's it's available yes. online. Yeah. Uh, it was on a program called The One, I believe, um, mm -hmm. and uh, she seems like a lovely lass. I mean. So obviously we've not seen that much of her so far. She has appeared in Doctor Who yes. in um, in The Army of Ghosts. Her character name escapes me. Oh, um, oh yes, it was. I can't. I know. Mm -hmm. But uh, she ends up getting killed, which is pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> even though it was kind of a minor role, it, even I would have loved to have had that just to get killed on Doctor Who. It's, uh, there we are. Mm -hmm. But uh, yes, so she seems like a lovely lass, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing her on the new show. Um, yeah, I, I caught the interview as well. I, I I believe you can still watch it. There's links if you're watch, if you're listening to the Hans podcast, we'll give you a link to the, um, the the BBC site that has you know links that you can view her clips, her interviews. Mm. But it's been revealed that uh, she's going to play um, a medical student named Martha Jones. So Jones is, uh, just for those who aren't from the UK, Jones is a typically Welsh name. So it's not known at the t for the time being whether or not she's going to play uh, a particularly Welsh actress, uh, James, actress James, character. you're telling me, after all these years, you're telling me that Indiana Jones is Welsh? <laughs> could well be, could well be. I never knew that. Yeah, Jones is a typically Welsh name, so... You know, Martha Jones could indeed be Welsh, so it will be, I think, well, it depends how you see things, but it could be the first black companion, whether you count Mickey or not. 
And not only that, but the first Welsh companion, I think, as far as my knowledge goes. Um, and then there was, else. wasn't the Scream of the Shalker, wasn't there? I mean, I don't know if you consider that canon. Can yeah, it's whether you consider not. that canon, probably yeah. not, because that was kind of supposed to be the Ninth Doctor, wasn't the it? The Ninth Doctor, or, you know, an alternative version of the Ninth Doctor. Or <laughs> Who knows, you can say. You know, they... Yeah. It's Pete's world's ninth doctor, perhaps. <laughs> quite <laughs> possibly, know. quite possibly. Or someone else's world, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah she, in this, she's wearing a, a red leather jacket in this publicity photo. So um, she's looking pretty sharp. Yeah, and it, it complements the doctor's tie very nicely. I'm, I'm all latte. I'm like, ooh, look at that. That complements nicely the TARDIS, and that complements the leather jacket. <laughs> And 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 a nice wonderful blue sky in the background just completes the picture. It does. It's, it's a great. <laughs> it looks like they've got this pretty little Welsh village. Although they look to have taken all the publicity in pictures and yeah, in a car park. It's a multi-story car park somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of That's, adds grit uh, to the, the pictures. It was a it was an open spot, and the TARDIS had to park somewhere. Therefore, hence the car park. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> I wonder if he's going to have the overcoat, the long trench like overcoat that I he wore. Think, I think so, because I, I did see a picture somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but she, he was wearing the long brown that's, overcoat. Yeah, that's yeah. brown, and I wonder if that's, you know, how well that's going to work with the blue. Yeah. Oh, indeed, whether that is going to be their costumes, we don't know. We haven't seen them in action, but yes. we, me and Luce were talking about this because we were thinking about, to, you know, about this time last year when they released the first pictures of Billy and David in their costumes for mm -hmm. the Christmas invasion. And we were thinking whether they actually used those costumes because Billy was wearing this Parker thing and yeah. she, she does wear it is in the Christmas invasion. So, but interestingly, um, Freema, of course, isn't going to be introduced in the Christmas invasion. She's going to be in the second series. So, it will be an entire um, episode without a companion, by the look of things. So. You, you know what? This the, the, on on a tangent here. There's all these rumors, you know, circulating, and, and people are posting on our forums about uh, Billy Piper appearing in the Christmas and uh, the, the uh, Runaway Bride, the Christmas story for this year. And um, I, I very highly doubt it. I, I'd be very surprised if she does appear. And if she does, I think it would be nothing more than a flashback. And even if it's yeah. new material shot before she left it, it still will probably be in a form of a flashback maybe it's just wishful thinking because i don't think that people can believe that the bbc lied to them that that billy won't be appearing in the third series because you know there's a lot of speculation as to whether the contract was actually true and she will appear as you say briefly in a flashback or something or in a picture or the doctor will refer to her because it's obviously um i'd hate it as a fan if if the doctor wasn't mourning a bit more over the fact that he had just lost this companion who he loved so dearly mm -hmm. because just because of the fact that this random bird shows up in this in the TARDIS. Um, uh, I mean, it was nice to have a bit of a um, a bit of humour at the end of the episode to lighten things up because it was obviously very sad yeah, when Rose an left. Moment, yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to have a bit of a giggle at the end of it. But even so, I I do hope that we get to see a deeper and darker side to the Doctor's character instead of you know just running around with this with this bride of uh, what's the name Donna I think Russell T Davis yes, mentioned. Yes, Donna. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, I mean, it's all interesting, and there's there's definitely lots of speculation there, but. I, I'm remaining, you know, 
I'm going to say no, that she's not going to appear. And I'd, I just think that it's it's best to kind of focus on the future. Um, yeah, because otherwise, I mean, because we're, yeah, I agree. You know, I, I, I think it's doubtful, but if, if it does happen, I think it's going to be nothing more than a, than a flashback, perhaps. And even if it's new material, it would probably be like, you know, like stuff that maybe they were shot, that was shot before Billy Piper left and they kind of canned it and put it aside, think, you know, in, with um, foresight for this episode. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that the doctor's going to meet up with him, meet up with her again by going circling through a black hole or whatever, drawing power. I, I think it would be a flashback if, if, yeah, if that. If anything, because um, for that matter, then he can go visit her anytime. You know, it, there has to be some sort of permanency to their separation. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, though, this is kind of a, a major spoiler alert. I mean, we've kind of alluded to this fact in previous podcasts, but John Barrowman, of course, who played uh, Captain Jack, as well as having Torchwood, his own spin-off series, is going to be making an appearance in the series finale of, of Series yeah, 3. We, we knew that he was going to be back in the 2007 Series yeah, 3. Yeah, but we didn't know when. We didn't... Yeah, I thought that was a bit unusual that they revealed that it was going to, again, as James said, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Oh, you'll hear the cloister bells. So <laughs> I'm not going to do sound effects for you. So, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of unusual that they did give away that um, it would be in the series finale. So, But we still don't know in what context and what, you know, it's how this is going to play out as well. You know, be, being that he's going to be in Torchwood, is it going to be in the same time frame or is it going to be in a different time frame and we're still clueless about those couple of years of his life that are missing yeah i think it would be pretty awesome though if, if if they did go back to the future um and did meet up with captain jack that would be pretty cool but regardless anything could happen it's doctor who that's what's so brilliant about and that's why we can speculate so much you know it's fun to speculate it is. It is. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next news story, um, which Lewis uh, kind of told me about this evening, which to much hilarity on my behalf, um, is that apparently, well, me, the, the, the headline of the, the um, article, which is on <laughs> contact music, which seems to be something to do with Lycos or something, is that um, meat loaf to hit the TARDIS, question mark. <laughs> And I, and I sent this to him as a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> but we should explain, this is the meatloaf that, that's like a bat out of hell, mm. <laughs> if that doesn't the, clue you in. The, um, the fantastic rock opera-esque type singer, stroke movie star, stroke general celebrity personality. So um, mm. he's, apparently he's been uh, wooing TV bosses um, in a bid to play a villain in the new series and I can kind of see that because I the thing that kind of sticks in my mind about him being a villain is the fact that he played um, Eddie, Eddie? <laughs> Rocky uh, the shot the Rocky Horror Picture Show oh I wasn't aware of that I was thinking more of um, the 51st state he played uh, a character called the lizard who was like this drug lord um, regardless anyway I think he'd make a good villain and you know um, but he's he said that he's loved the the time traveling show for years apparently, um, and if he could star in in one episode he'd be happy. Although having said that, um, there is kind of a bit of um, question as to the uh, truthfulness of this yeah. story, the the validity of this story, because um, 
a source has told the British newspaper, the Daily Star, which just for those of you who aren't aware, is on a par of the Sun, uh, the Mirror, those sorts of tabloid newspapers, that the loaf would really be chuffed if he could land a cameo role in one episode and thinks it would be really good to play a baddie. So, I mean, who knows? It could be true. I mean, but I wouldn't uh, take these things with a pinch of salt when you read them in the mm -hmm. tabloids and stuff because uh, it's not necessarily going to be true. Yeah, like I said, it's fun to speculate. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, uh, does that wrap it up for news, Lewis, or do we have anything else yeah, in the newsroom? But just, just to kind of, on, on that same, um, riding the coattails of that, I mean, I, throughout Doctor Who's history, I think a lot of people, a lot of actors have seeked to be on it. You know, a lot of them will say, oh, well, you know, I want to do it for my kids or whatever. But, you know, I, I think it's a television series that that a lot of people enjoy just being a part of, you know, it's really part of, um, the culture of, uh, in the UK and it's, and, and, and it's now it's really gone beyond that. And, um, I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I think it's, I mean, if you're an actor, I, I think, how could you not be want to, you know, have a part, even if it's a cameo in Doctor Who, it's just, um, it's just fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, for real, I think a lot of people do have a real passion about Doctor Who. But the thing is, is that what's worrying to me as a fan is that um, I know it's kind of, it's turned into this huge phenomenon. It always has been in the UK, but it's kind of almost been restricted to the UK. If you went over to, mm -hmm. well, in my experience anyway, my limited experience, if you went over to America and were trying to explain to someone or just made a reference to the TARDIS or it's like a TARDIS in here or whatever, most people wouldn't know what you're talking exactly, about yeah. unless they unless they were an avid watcher of, of PBS. Whereas now yeah. it seems like, I mean, again, I'm generalizing here. I don't really know whether this is the case, but it seems like, um, you know, it's becoming more mainstream. And that to me is... is uh, is a bit weird outside of it's, the UK. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's always a, a bit of a double-edged sword, you know, when something gets mainstream and you know you you welcome the accessibility of it, but then it kind of um, has its negatives as well. You know, yeah, there's, there's, there's something unique about having a, a cult thing that you're a part of, you know, being a part of an, a minority or a secret underground, you know, fandom, and <laughs> without it being common, you know, sort of like. Um, I don't know, was it the Honeymooners had their secret lodge? <laughs> you know, with secret handshakes and all that. And, you know, you just don't want it to become too commonplace. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're getting into whole other territory yes. altogether. <laughs> so hopefully so, when we come back, we'll have Ken on the show to yeah, do... Go on, sorry, mate. No, I was just agreeing with you that we're hopefully we're going to have Ken on board and we'll, we'll get his... Um, we're going to do a review of, since it's... Um, the 10th anniversary of the video movie, the Paul McGann movie, uh, we wanted to do a review and we want to get Ken on board to give us his take on the, the video movie or the enemy within or... Whatever the, you want to call it. Yes. <laughs> the Doctor Who story that has no name. Indeed. We'll be right back with Doctor Who Podshock. Hello, this is Sylvester McCoy and you're listening to Podshock. I'm a jock. Year's Eve 1999. Earth runs out of time. 
Doctor Who is coming in May. Who are you? He's back, and it's about time. I am the Doctor! New drama. Listen, why don't you just have a seat and open your shirt? I want to listen to your heart. Hearts. Plural. Right. Right. Come on, follow me. Now I'm remembering more. Good. Lovely view. Maybe you have selective amnesia brought on by shock. Maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, da Vinci. He had a cold when he drew that. You're still fibrillating badly. No, I'm not. Here. I remember! I was with Pacini before he died! Name drop. I was, I was, I was! Oh my god. You say that's no echo. He died before he could finish Turando. Alfano finished it based on his notes. It was so sad. You have two hearts. <laughs> Who are you? I was dead too long this time. The anesthetic almost destroyed the regenerative process. Yeah. Right. I I'm going to get a syringe. I'm going to take no, no, some no, blood. No, 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 I want to know what's going Grace, on. Grace, 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 Grace. Don't you see? I have 13 lives. Please. Okay, you're trying to tell me that you've come back from the dead. Yes. No, sorry. The dead stay dead. You can't turn back time. Yes, you can. I'm not a child. Don't talk to me like I'm a child. Only children believe that crap. I am a doctor. But it was a childish dream that made you a doctor. You dreamt you could hold back death. Isn't that true? Don't be sad, Grace. You'll do great things. And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. My name is Ken Deep. Very briefly joining Louis Trapani and across the pond, Mr. James Norton, for our, our review of Doctor Who the movie, or... <laughs> The Enemy Within, or the Fox movie, or the Paul McGann movie, the various names it, it gets called over the years. We, we should also explain to our listeners that Ken is coming in through a regular phone line, that's why he sounds like he's in Addis Ababa. Good yeah. old-fashioned <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell at his best. Indeed. Thanks for being here, mate. I know you, that you've got uh, obligations, which is why you can't be on the show, but it's good to have yes, you on even work. though it's only for a brief period. Mm. Damn you for trying to make money. You know podcasting comes first. Uh, I hear that. <laughs> no, it's understandable. Yes. So, yeah, we, 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 um, we don't know what this movie's called. On the DVD, it's just simply called Doctor Who the Movie. Uh, <laughs> others, 
it's within uh, it's generally accepted to be known as the video movie or the TVM. Um, it was originally working title was the Enemy Within, but that was abandoned, so it never really had an official title. Mm. And interestingly, the DVD, as I believe it, is only actually available in the UK, which is quite well, weird. Seeing as how it was an American it's, funded. Yeah, thing. it is. It's it's available. It's a Region Two and Four DVD. And if you re if our listeners recall, in our last episode, I think we spoke about the DVD. And at the time, I didn't have a copy. And since then. Uh, through the amazing delivering time from Amazon UK, I got a copy, and I'm quite pleased, and I'm, I thank both Ken and uh, James for their uh, appraisal of the DVD, because it does contain some um, interesting features, you know, especially an interview with Phil Siegel, which um, I, I think we're, we'll, we'll play a part of it in our pod shock just mm. to um, give you some insight. And this, is, um, this review will encompass both a review of, of the movie and the DVD as well. Mm. It's it's um, like I said the the DVD does have some supplementary materials that makes it worth its while. But as James was saying, it's ironic that it's not available in North America because it was a joint venture production between the BBC and, and North America. Um, Which is probably you know, what's what's holding it up is the is the legalities of, of because, some of the rights here for yes, the United States between Universal, Fox, and and the BBC. They probably mm -hmm. haven't come to some sort of agreement on the because um, you have to remember this is 1996 this is a year before the dvd the format was introduced so they probably it wasn't contracted in their contracts for a dvd release at that time mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. something that that probably needs to be worked out and it's like i said it's just ironic that that the the, the only joint america you know north american or american um uh, production of Doctor Who, and it's not even out on DVD in the U.S. <laughs> I know it is. It is funny, but <clears throat> I guess you know if it had been a success uh, in terms of Fox getting more uh, ratings and viewing figures, then it could have been potentially a, a long-running thing. Because um, at the moment on Doctor Who Online, our, our good friends over there they have live interview sessions on the forums with with Paul McGann. And he was saying uh, that um, it would have been a five-year contract had it yes, been a success, it, but mm -hmm. instead it turned out as a, a five-week contract. And you know that's what <laughs> show business is all about. So if you do have a question for Paul, kind of nicely tying into this uh, review of the DVD, head on over there to Doctor Who Online UK and join the forums. It's cracking and ask questions because he's online right now, actually, as I'm. As we're recording this, so there you go. I I thought Paul McGann was spectacular in this movie. I really enjoyed him as the Doctor, and and I'm mm. I'm very pleased that Big Finish uh, created a season for him by writing some stories yeah. and creating a companion and, and allowing him to be the Doctor, because mm -hmm. in the breakdown on this movie, it run it comes down to being a about 95 to 100 minutes long, which would be the equivalent of a four part. Uh, original classic series four-parter, and the first part features Sylvester McCoy. So really, Paul McGann is only the Doctor for for perhaps an hour of screen time. Yeah, well, um, uh, Sylvester McCoy, when we interviewed him, um, which I think we played in episode 20 of, of Podshock, had mentioned that it would probably have been more appropriate if, if he wasn't if the regeneration 
if this was to be picked up as a series that the regeneration could have been shown a couple episodes in so that it wouldn't take screen time away from Paul McGann. But in hindsight, since this is the only televised thing, um, you know, with Paul McGann, it's, it's nice to see that transition from Paul, from uh, Sylvester McCoy it, into Paul McGann. It definitely was. And it's probably one of the most spectacular regenerations we've ever seen in the show. And, mm, and uh, mm. l- uh, some interesting imagery, um, the resurrection uh, style mm-hmm. of, uh, I mean, there, there's a few purely artistic things thrown in for the re- regeneration. I mean, he's walking through a, a corridor in a hospital that has broken glass on the ground, and that just seems like an insurance nightmare. Uh, <laughs> but it's meant to be more metaphorical and, and, yeah, and artistic. Shat itself, and um, you know, and also the, the 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 transposing his regeneration, his coming to life with Frankenstein that was being shown on television at that time, you know, on, on, on the, 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 the morgue, the nurses, the, the, the orderlies, whatever they are, they were mm. watching Frankenstein mm. on mm. television. I also was... enjoyed, uh, I liked Paul McGann's costume in this. I thought oh, yes. it was very doctorly. Uh, the, the best doctorly costume since perhaps Tom Baker. Uh, mm. Very, very as, Edwardian. Yeah. Yes. Just, yeah, just, uh, you know, classically Doctor Who. Uh, where mm. in, in the John Nathan Turner era, we had a tendency to get a little a little crazy with himself. Um, but as much as I enjoyed Paul McGann's performance as Doctor Who, uh, and, and overall I enjoyed the movie, I didn't really care for Eric Roberts as the master. <laughs> uh, you know, I, despite on the DVD him saying he's a big Doctor Who fan, I know for a fact he is not a Doctor Who fan. So that was just giving lip service to the fact that he got the role. And yeah, yeah. Well, well go on, sorry, Luis, mate. I, I, well, I was just going to comment that, that some of the relevations in the DVD on, on the, the interviews, um, especially with Phil Siegel, you, you'll get firsthand um, accounts on how he was being pulled in different directions because Universal was making certain demands, Fox was making certain demands, BBC was making certain demands. And in order to please everyone, they had to make some cer- certain sacrifices, and I don't think that he would have cast um, um, Eric Roberts in this role no. if he had the, 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 the complete freedom to do his own casting. I, there were certain demands that had to be made, uh, that had to be met, you know, for this movie, and that's well, why a lot of the criticism about this movie probably can be attributed to that fact that they, you know it had to meet, you know, it had to please so many different people on different levels, you know, mm-hmm. that, that were mm-hmm. paying for it. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I don't know about you guys, but everybody who has seen or talked to about the TV movie says that they have loved Paul McGann and they despise Eric Roberts. It's just a matter of fact. Um, and I completely agree with everything that you said. I, I think he did give it his best, but I don't think that he really appreciated what the master was all about. And, uh, well, yeah, it's not a slap against Eric Roberts per se. It's just that it just wasn't right. It wasn't the right role yeah. for him for this part. It's, you know? more, it's more a slap uh, to the casting, to the, the uh, to the people who decided. Well, well I'm we'll sure they wanted a big name. They needed a, a big name to anchor the movie. Yes. So. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is that I didn't even realize this was never really publicized in the UK. I didn't even realize that Eric Roberts. Name and I certainly didn't realize that he was the brother of Julia Roberts up until very recently. I, I just didn't know that. So I mean, maybe he's he's 
more well known in the US, but he certainly wasn't in the UK. But yeah, hey. well, he's definitely not on the same level as known as 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 celebrity, if you will, as Julia Roberts. You know, yeah, I, I think... obviously. But I'm I'm just throwing. That's about the only thing that I yeah. really know of him, other than. You know, he's he's well, an American and, actor. <laughs> and, and and speaking of relations, I I didn't know really until recently that his uh, the character that he plays Bruce, his wife in the in the movie is actually his real life wife as yes, well. Yes, it I, is. Yeah, and I did not know that until recently. Uh, a very well written scene. I, I really enjoyed the scene when he first wakes up as the master. Well, yeah, and that was coinciding once again with the Doctor's regeneration into a new body. The Doctor was getting a new body, and the Master was getting a new body at the same time. And I thought the the cutting interplay, you know, interplay of that worked well. Just to cut in about the the regeneration, uh, I was going to mention this before, but Ken was on a roll. Um, Having rewatched it after seeing the first series of, well, the new series, the 2005 series with the Ninth Doctor... What I thought was kind of weird about it is if you watch it again, there are really similarities between that and the Aliens of London, where, you know, this may be a spoiler alert for some people, but where the pig sort of bursts out of the, um, the I don't know how the you morgue. You'd, you'd, the morgue, but, you know, mm-hmm. the steel, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that because... And the lighting in the blue and all that, very that's Doctor right. Who movie. So yeah. I, that's kind of like a, a nod to that, and I, I didn't really well, notice that until it, after I watched it again. It really pleases me that in interviews with Russell T. Davies, he, he acknowledges the Fox movie and actually says that he really liked Paul McGann's portrayal, and there are some things that um, the Doctor Who movie did that have influenced the new series, um, even in, in the most subtle ways, right down to the fact that we didn't see a regeneration into Chris Eccleston. That was a direct result of them showing the regeneration in the TV movie and, and Russell T. Davies saying they wasted too much time on it. Um, that not seeing Chris Eccleston's regeneration, uh, Paul again into Christopher, Christopher Eccleston, was a direct result of this movie. So it was nice that Russell T. Davies lets all of Doctor Who history influence the current show. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no bias towards this movie or either the Peter Cushing movies. And, you know, that's just... Uh, and, and going on, on this... As a whole, again, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a, a good adventure. Uh, there was a writer's Bible written for this movie. Uh, Lewis and I had talked about it off-air at length at one point, about how there was a whole back history written about the Doctor's family and the great explorer that the Doctor uh, descended from and all these kind of things. And I'm glad they kind of skipped it mm. in the movie and, and tried not to reveal too much about the doctor. Well, that was one also... major criticism I have is that the doctor being half human thing. Yeah, really that rubbish. was what I was going to say. Well, that yeah, was, that was an error. <laughs> that was a major error. But they, I think, they tried to do that to kind well, of um, to make it more appealing to probably North American audiences. Well, not only that, but I mean, we keep saying all the time about the new series: the Doctor's obsessed with Earth. Why is he so obsessed with Earth? Why can't he move away and do other? Other yeah, things. It was... I, I think that's a, a, a 2020 hindsight justification of it. I, I, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, I don't know this for sure for a fact, but I, 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 it seems to me that, and I know that our, some listeners will, you know, question this or, or, or um, uh, you know, won't agree with this, but I, I think it was more of a Spock thing where they, you know, they know that American audiences love Spock and they, I think to make him more acceptable for perhaps American audiences, they made him half human so that m- the Americans can relate to him because, you know, because, you know, uh, yeah, I couldn't can, possibly you know, relate to an entire alien. Exactly. You know, forget about E.T., the extraterrestrial, and how well that did in box offices in the United States and worldwide, but, you know, we won't be able to relate to an alien. Yeah. So that's really interesting, because <laughs> over here it was always portrayed about the fact that, you know, if this series did go ahead and was, you know, based around Earth, that, that was why he had such an affinity for Earth, was because he was half-human. But I agree, I think that it was also a sort of marketing ploy, if you will, a way to draw audiences in um, to make it more believable, I guess, because, you know, all the time people are saying in sci-fi, why do aliens look like humans, all this sort of nonsense, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, for 30 some odd years, we've had established Doctor Who canon, you know, where he's time and time again said that he's alien he's not even in this movie uh, sylvester mccoy on the operating table kept on saying I'm you know not i'm not human, human. I'm, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know and it just seems it, it just seems like oh well they had to write it into the story and make it you know the whole eye or harmony in the human eye and it, it just seemed a well, little i mean contrived. maybe maybe we, we already know that during a regeneration the doctor is a little bit loopy and maybe he was just drunk well, no, I, I I agree, and I try to justify it in that sense. Though the master goes along with it as well, so that um, it's, it's the master who first points out that he's half human, and yeah, but I don't it, know, it's rubbish. Yes. Yeah, that yes. was that was the the, the the most rubbish thing about the film. But well, also one of the, another so, thing that ca- caused major controversy was the kind of hanky panky with the companion. Well, again, guy. right after regeneration, you could have kind of write off the doctor not being himself. Yes, but once again, <laughs> this, this was controversial during the airing of this movie. But all of a Absolutely. sudden now in the new series, it's par for the course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, we, well, if we add up the snogs mm-hmm. since 1996, we have quite a few. Mm-hmm. I think it's like five or six now, if I can count properly. Yeah. So, so uh, though, know, though in though in the series, uh, it's it's he's getting snog. He's not doing the snogging. That's <laughs> Steve, true. I'm saying. Although, although, although the the ending parting of the ways and Jack okay. liking to kiss people lots and yeah, but Jack stuff. initiated the kiss. He didn't. He, and <laughs> That's true. That's true. Maybe maybe the doctor's just so kissable. Who who can say? Who can say? <laughs> but but well, what's, what's interesting though now when you wa- when you watch the the TV movie, um, the kiss is the least controversial part because it's happened a few times since then. So now it's the less, most controversial yeah, it's, it's, part it, is, the, it, is the doctor being half-human. It's less objectionable because I guess we've gotten a little bit used to the doctor being seen in that manner. Yeah. But, mm. but going on the same beat that James was saying, and, and, and I guess you as well, Ken, uh, going back and seeing this now after the 2005 and 2006 series... One of the things that kind of annoyed me initially when I was watching it, uh, you know, and now I can appreciate after the 2005 series, 
if you, when watching this movie, he kind of comes, he stumbles across all different people and he knows all this information about everyone. He seems like he, okay, granted he's a time traveler, but he had, couldn't have met, you know, every single person. He knows all these little tidbits about everyone. But then when we get to Parting of the Ways, where he speaks about having all this information in his head and knowing all this, and it kind of makes sense now when you watch this video movie the way how he, he doesn't necessarily mean that he met that person. Maybe he has some sort of sense of their timelines and their, and, um, and, yeah. and knows how certain things are mm. supposed to play out. Mm. And well, uh, you, you probably haven't seen, I, I don't know if James has, but um, I, I know I'm pretty sure Lewis hasn't seen the, the new S Superman Returns. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. that's I've no because it. you went you went to see it without me. We had planned to go seeing it together, but you you you, you know. So you Superman is the scene in <laughs> Superman Returns where he's up in the atmosphere and he's got his eyes closed as if he was sleeping, uh, mm. and he's orbiting the Earth and he hears every single person's thoughts. Cry and, out not, not really for thoughts, help! But yeah. like like yeah, their, their cries for help. He's hearing thousands of sounds. And he's trying to tune them out. And, and in a very similar way, I, I picture what the doctor said in Parting of the Ways, being something similar that, that, they, that he's just on another level and that, you know, mm -hmm. he's in tune with everything that's going on. And it's like Lewis yeah. said, it starts to make sense now. And there's, there's several things, uh, not just that in the second series, but there's like... Um, a uh, reference, I think it might be in Aliens of London, where he says, tiny human brains, how do you get around in those things? Can you not feel that? Can you not sense that sort of a thing? As you're saying, like he's on another plane and like he can see where all things need to play out. And also, uh, you know, he, in Father's Day, where he's talking about he knows what he's doing in the way of not creating a paradox. Maybe he's got this intrinsic quality in him, because all the time it's like... Well, in, you know, discussions the, about how does that not cause a paradox and stuff. In, so. in Battlefield, it's kind of alluded that he is Merlin, and Merlin, the, the legend or, or of will Merlin, the uh, legend of Merlin was that he walks backwards through time, that time runs in a different direction from Merlin, allowing him to know the future and some things like that. We assume that the Doctor is outside of time. He's mentioned that many times, so he has insight to to lines and 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 the lines of time that the different than we see it. Human beings, and, and we just established the time is linear, and then we move forward, and et cetera, et cetera. But the doctor apparently has the ability to stand outside of that. Um, and, you know, I just kind of took it to me well, that. <laughs> it's a shame that, that many people, many uh, fans kind of give this a bad rap and kind of write it off, or they say that it doesn't exist. I mean, it does have its flaws, but I think a lot of it they got right and um and, and on a different on a many levels it is enjoyable and um and considering what the production mm. had to work with and being pulled in different directions and all that um i i think they did do they did come out with um you know something that that it, it's a first doctor story too and, and and always a regeneration story and the first doctor story is not always the 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 pinnacle of of that doctor's rain so um you have to give some allowance to that we went through a um a drought of no doctor who episodes since it was uh, since 1989 and then 1996 came around we were excited i mean all doctor who fans were really excited about yeah. this movie yeah i mean it, uh, it, it suffered from being aired in may and even though that's yeah for the sweet yeah. week here in america it just was 
you know, the, the, the clocks were changed and the weather was getting warm. And, you know, quite honestly, that's not a great time for Doctor Who. And uh, it just, to me, it was just a, a, a rough It thing. wasn't promoted that well. That no. suffered for, uh, it was a Monday night, sense. I think. Wasn't it a Monday or a... I don't know, and it was competing against Roseanne, if I if I remember correctly, and you know, as far as the time slot goes, and yeah, might have been a Thursday. A, it was just a rough a rough airing here in the states, and you know, I agree with with Lewis in that a lot of people wrote it off, and I don't think it's as bad as everyone thinks. I think when considering all the factors that were up against it, uh, I think they actually did pretty well with it. Uh, mm. It just it had a few. Few snafus and, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a book called Who's Next. It's like one of the unofficial companions to Doctor Who. Uh, there's a number of these books out there, and they're the only ones who I've ever heard knock Paul McGann. They were kind of like Paul McGann was rubbish, and and, and I really um, don't, I 100% do not agree with that. Yeah, I think yeah. he's outstanding in this. Yeah, he's, he's great in everything. Roberts was good, so you know they're smoking crack. <laughs> I'm like, well, who, who thought that? <laughs> it, it was directed by Jeffrey Sachs, and I, I think the direction and the lighting also was really nice too. It was, he, he, he did Panic Room or something else. I mean, he's gone on to do some pretty well-known movies. It's set in San Francisco. Okay, it was shot in, in British Columbia, but it was it's it's nice to um, it's always good to see Doctor Who. That's why I, I, I love City of Death. You know, take um, you know outside of its traditional Earth-bound stories. You know, taking place elsewhere. On location somewhere, and it was good seeing San Francisco represented in it. Um, I believe this might be the first story that featured um, CGI effects in the story itself. I know the opening credits for Sylvester McCoy, the Seventh Doctor, used CGI, but yes, I'm not yeah. sure if I think this is the first time it's actually used in the story itself. Yeah, I think I think it was the first time, as far as as I know, um, unless Ken can correct me or anybody listening. But just going back to the opening credits, the only other thing that I can think oh, of that I didn't the logo? Like, no, the logo, uh, I didn't have... It was John Pertwee's logo. Yeah, the logo... I thought I it was a, a, a nice nod with. to the past there. Yeah, mm-hmm. some people had a problem with it because it was, it was slightly different, but hardly at all. But what I didn't like was the music, and I, I didn't like the whole orchestral theme going. I mean, I love the new Murray Gold theme because I think it's got the mix right. It's got... It does mm-hmm. have or- orchestra in there, but it's not over the top. Whereas this, the the, the theme just was wrong for me. It just that from it, the offset. It wasn't alien to be... enough. Yes, it just was like it, it. It downplayed the whole theme, and it made the theme sound rubbish. When really, it's like one of the most best themes in television, in my experience. And if I had to take one TV theme away with me, if I was on a desert <laughs> island, that would be it. The Doctor yeah. theme. You can just yeah. listen to it, and it never loses the fact that you listen to it, and it scares the pants off you well, before I think you Ken, even see the thing. Ken made a good point right there. I, I think it lacks that alien sound that it's missing. Yeah. You know, where it, it's yeah, the Murray other themes. Gold, Murray Gold continues to have the alienness of the piece, but adding the orchestra and letting it do yeah. something to add to the piece and not and not detract from the original essence of the music. But, yeah, um, yeah there's, again, there's a, there's a number of different things. You know, we, we, could, we could sit and go one by one, piece by piece, through the, the entire thing. And uh, I really I, enjoyed the TARDIS console. 
I was just going to say that the interior of the TARDIS oh, is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And what's ironic about that is that the first time I saw it, the, like the, the the before it was released, the pre-production pictures, whatever, I was like, oh my god, what did they do to the TARDIS interior? You know, you're so used to being such uh, that bright white interior, and then all of a sudden this this like um, chamber that's dark. And but I love it. I, I it turned out to be one of my favorite. I, Thomas I interiors. One of the things that, that was a bit controversial amongst fans, but I happened to really like, was the Eye of Harmony being inside the TARDIS, and that all the TARDISes, every Time Lord's TARDIS tapped into the Eye of Harmony, being that the TARDIS is dimensionally transcendental, that they all could have, universally could tap into the Eye of Harmony for its power. Because that, you know, this goes back to the, the the power source of the TARDIS and it being unlimited and all these kind of things. And it was yes. just, I thought it was well thought out. How do we incorporate all these different elements? And mm. that part I liked. Uh, I know there were some fans that didn't like it. I just, to me, it just helps make everything make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was its power source, and yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I, I thought it worked well. I, I, I love the time rotor, the retro look of the, uh, the the Jules Verne look of the TARDIS. Yeah, interior. everything was nice and weathered, and well, it's kind of echoed in the 2005 series, although a lot more kind of organic and less kind of homely. But it, it felt like it was 900 years old, and it felt like um, you know you could believe that this was where he well, lived and where he it, you know. I mean, I, I guess the difference is, though, that this one, this TARDIS interior really had a cultured look to it, that the Doctor yes, was a connoisseur, right. and, you know, and you can see elements that he's collected over time, and um, that he's been around, and, and, and you know, that, that he has some tastes, you know, and, 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 and it's reflected in the interior of the TARDIS. I, uh, I also thought that Sylvester McCoy's costume and the way they they handle him they they got they got away from the again the john nathan turner the yeah you know, no question marks no question marks sweaters and i thought that he did he, they did an outstanding job with sylvester mccoy and his hair and was sylvester awesome McCoy as well his yes. hair was just like yeah. his albert einstein wacky he should have had that in but... the series that i mean i really i think he 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 was best he, he looked best in that tv movie than anywhere else yeah, yeah. that's true and i really like i mean i like Sylvester McCoy, um, but I just thought he had rubbish stories, and this was the one where he kind of shined because, you know, he didn't have the script was there, and uh, he could really sort of show off his acting skills instead of, you know, having to put up with things like Ghostlight and Curse of the Fen, you know, whatever. It was it was a good <laughs> nod to the hat to well, what he could you know, have been, you know. And he could have just as easily not have done it, but he made a promise that he would do a regeneration story. You know, after that whole, you know, that they forced Colin Baker out, and Colin Baker obviously wasn't going to stop whatever role he was in just to come back to do Doctor Who again for a regeneration. But McCoy's promise that he would come back and do a regeneration scene if that ever came to be. And, you know, he came, he went to British Columbia, did the shooting there. Even the parts where there could have been a body double when he was, you know, for all intents and purposes, dead, you know, on, on the um, gurney oh, there. That It, yeah, it was actually him, you know. Mm. It was his feet, his toes. And, um, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> so he, I, I was, you know, it, it's hats off to McCoy for his enthusiasm for the part and, and willing to, you know, play it to its end. Mm, mm. So in the TARDIS groans category, what will we give the Doctor Who movie? I'm going to give it four TARDIS groans. I really liked it. Um, the, the, the 
it's not perfect because for me, uh, Eric Roberts, although he's the scene where he does change into the master, that's his best scene in the entire film. And that's pretty good, but everything else was a bit kind of rubbish. Um, and the theme music for me just what didn't have it, but everything else was pretty much spot on. They took a little much time for certain things, like Ken, I think Ken mentioned the, the regeneration and stuff. But other than that, it was a good story. Um, you could have to take a few things with a pinch of salt, like the fact that he's human and so, half human and so on, and the kiss and this, that, and the other. But it was it was perfect for the time, and it, it, it you could really see that they 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 had put a lot of effort into thinking how they were going to have this as a series had the TV movie been a bit more successful in America. So four out of yep. five for me. I I'm going to give it four out of five as well. I I. I... It did. It did have its flaws. Again, you know, not, we already mentioned the half-human thing, and um, you know, I thought the story itself could have been. You know, if they went with a different story, perhaps not use the master or, or just. Um, I don't know. The, the story itself had its flaws and weaknesses, uh, but overall, it was just good to have the doctor back. Uh, I don't think it was too American, as some have criticized it being. Um, yes, it, it, the half-human thing. If you consider that American, yes, uh, but. I mean, having Paul McGann there really saved the day. I think it would have been a disaster if it was an American actor playing the doctor. Doctor, I, I just, I mean, I, I think the the passion of the people making this, you know, obviously they were Doctor Who fans and they wanted to do right. Um, there were lots of nods to the original series, from the scarf to the sonic screwdriver to the diary. Um, you know, it was all in there. It would have been nice if to see where this would have went if it did continue as a series. You know, even though I, I, I guess you would have to have a new companion though, because Grace stays behind. That was my that was the surprise when I first saw it. I just assumed Grace would follow him, and he she didn't. So um, I guess she didn't sign a contract for for five years as Paul mm. McGann did. Mm. So well, would, um, go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. I would give it originally would give it three and a half. TARDIS grown, so I'm going to give it four based on the fact that we have a new series. I, I give it extra credit for, I agree with Lewis when I think that the people behind the scenes tried to pack as much in as they could. They really, they really knew, you know, Phil, people like Philip Siegel really understood Doctor Who and tried to get a lot in. That being said, I think seeing what we have now and having Russell T. Davies at the helm, this seeing what they did with the Fox movie and seeing what we have now really reinforces my saying, my phrase in Russell, we trust. I mean, we have the right man at the right time, putting out the right doctor who. Um, mm. And part of that comes from the learning experience from the 1996 movie. Uh, I give extra credit as well to, to uh, Paul McGann, who um, I can't get enough of Paul McGann. I, I really, uh, I, I wish they could find a way of, of, you know, if they ever do a multi-doctor story, I hope it's with him. Uh, I'm I'm really grateful to Big mm -hmm. Finish for allowing him uh, to have a season and have a really good companion in Charlie Pollard, uh, have his own theme music, have great, some really interesting stories with the uh, the R101 Zeppelin and the, um, uh, the Chimes at Midnight and some of the, the great stories that, that he's got, just excellent you know, an excellent season, even giving him a chance to uh, go back and redo Shada 
showed Paul McGann's got a, he got a, a great comic timing. So I really, mm-hmm. uh, I'll give it four out of five Tardis groans. Once again, the three of us not dissenting on anything. <laughs> uh, but I will say that Paul McGann gets eight out of four Tardis groans to yeah, me. Yeah, he he's outstanding. Outstanding, and uh, I'm really hoping to meet him one day. Of all the, the living doctors, and after that matter, deceased doctors, um, one of the, the few doctors I've never met, and uh, and I'm hoping at some point he'll make a, a trip to America within driving distance. Mm. Yes, mm. <laughs> let's hope but so. Even so, just to, I mentioned it before, um, I know I'm plugging this quite a bit, but it is a fantastic opportunity. Head over to Doctor Who Dash Online uk. If you're not a member of the forums, join. They have loads of cast interviews on there. You can ask questions, and they'll personally answer them for you. Uh, and Paul yeah, McGann, the, the actor right. that plays um, Chang Lee, um, is is usually on the forums. Yes, he's he? also uh, on there. Yeah, he, um, I can never pronounce the actor's name. to so or something like that. I'm sorry if I'm if I'm messing up, mate. But I'm hoping to get him on the show maybe for an interview in the future. Well, maybe we should learn how to pronounce his name before asking. Yes, definitely. That's what we're gonna get. Um, what's her face? Adjermin, um, yeah, free uh, <laughs> Ayerman. I don't know even how to pronounce it. The just, new companion. Just to ask her her name. <laughs> oh God, you guys are terrible. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, if anybody speaks to Paul McGann, tell him that I we'd love to have him at Icon. Even though I don't speak for Icon, <laughs> that's who we're asking for. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. And, yeah. You know, also a quick reminder, and I mentioned this on a past pod shock. Feel free to go to www.iconsf.org and feel free to contact in their feedback section and suggest that they get a Doctor Who guest this year, being that the new show has been airing on Sci-Fi. Uh, that if you're not from the tri-state area, if you're from Massachusetts, let's say, or Washington, D.C., that you'd be interested in traveling for a convention that featured a Doctor Who guest, you know, let, let Icon know that that this year we'd like to see a Doctor Who guest for the first time in, in close to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So thanks ever so much for joining us, Ken. I know you've got obligations. Uh, my and pleasure, gentlemen. have yes. to disappear, but it's always great to have you on the show, and hopefully you'll be on again next week, as per usual. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a blast. Indeed. I look forward to chatting with both you guys then. Same here. Yep, ditto. And, uh, all right. See you and soon, we'll be mate. right back with more Doctor Who Podshock. Well, James and Lewis will be back. I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking time out of your work yeah. so that you could join us. And no so problem. I look mate. forward to having you back on board next week. Okay. All right. Cheers. Bye. The following is Philip Siegel, executive producer of the Doctor Who movie. This is taken from the DVD. This is a part of the bonus clips that they... Um, they include. I believe this is um, may have taken place at one of the Gallifrey uh, conventions that Outpost Gallifrey does annually in LA, and uh, this is from 2001, five years after the movie was made. So, to hear the complete interview, pick up the DVD. I, uh, I left uh, England uh, when I was 16, 15, and uh, came over to the States. And uh, 
growing up here uh, and then getting into the industry here, uh, it seemed like a, a wonderful opportunity to try and do something that had sort of not really been exposed to the, uh, the American market in a way that it had been in the US. I mean, yes, the videos had been here and there'd been some books in small circles, but that, that was really it. And uh, so I really, I, I started on a, what ended up being a seven-year journey to really get uh, the, the television movie made. Uh, sadly, uh, it was uh, just a television movie. The original idea was to make a series. That's what the BBC uh, wanted and, and, and uh, expected out of the partnership with Universal. But uh, unfortunately, uh, the politics were such and the, the time was such that uh, it made sense not to do it. Um, but I do believe that uh, the Doctor is a classic character who's timeless, really, no pun intended. And uh, uh, I know that in in the years to come, he will uh, continue to uh, to come back in various various forms. I, I think ultimately, what we ended up with was 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 definitely um, as close as I could get to something that I thought was exciting and accessible, while having to service four partners. I had a U.S. network, Fox, who insisted on it being an Americanized version. I had uh, BBC Worldwide who wanted something that was terribly commercial. I had Universal who had their own agenda. And then I had the BBC who had their own agenda. And so I was being pulled in four different directions. And so trying to, um, to, to really have creative control over, over the material when you have that many partners is very difficult. But I think at the end of the day, um, I did the best I could do given the circumstances. Something like Doctor Who is very unique. It needs to be nurtured. You, you, you can't just try to push it in a certain direction. It's, it's not like a rubber band. You can stretch it and, 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 and it's flexible. I think that if you push it in the wrong directions, it, it doesn't work. And um, so I think that um, in, in hindsight, uh, some of the things that we were forced to do, like for instance, um, the hiring of the villain, you know, uh, having uh, um, uh, Eric Roberts play the master uh, was interesting, but it was a necessity for them to promote the show. It wasn't a choice I wanted to make. Um, I think trying to um, uh, trying to put elements into the show that don't work, uh, Americanizing it. You know, he really needs to be. Its Britishness is what makes it work. The eccentricity of it makes it work. You can take that and plug it into any world, but you have to protect that and you have to leave that alone. I think if you do that, then it works. But it's trying to then, if, if you try to make the doctor something he's not, uh, then, it, then you lose that eccentricity and you lose that uniqueness that is the doctor. So if I had a chance uh, to do it again, I probably wouldn't have um, pushed it uh, quite as hard as I, 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 I was forced to, to give it some, some of those American elements and the romance and all of the things that I was being forced to do uh, that I think in some ways uh, actually hurt the character. Once again, that's executive producer Philip Siegel of the Doctor Who, the movie or the video movie, if you will, 
that's taken from the DVD, and that's only a highlight. So if you want to get uh, the complete uh, reflections of Philip Siegel, uh, not only from 2001, but um, from um, during the making of the movie and other bonus features, it's on the DVD. Now, the DVD is a, um, a Region 2 and 4 uh, DVD, which is um, available in the UK. It's, um, but it can be played elsewhere um, if you have a multi-region player, a DVD player, and one that supports PAL. Uh, you can also view it on your computer without any fuss. That's using um, the Video Land Client, VLC, and you can get a link to that from our website, thegallifernembassy.org. In addition to the interview with Philip Siegel, which you just heard some highlights from, uh, the DVD also contains interviews with Paul McGann, Sylvester McCoy, Daphne Ashbrook, Eric Roberts, and the director, Jeffrey Sachs. The DVD also contains BBC trailers, a Fox, a, a featurette um, from Fox behind the scenes of the movie, a tour of the TARDIS. Um, there's alternative takes for some scenes which are on the DVD. It uh, includes an isolated music soundtrack. And in addition, um, there's the usual uh, photo gallery and commentaries that you can listen to while watching the, the, the movie. So um, it's well worth picking up and it's available in the UK as a Region 2 and Region 4 DVD disc. Uh, unfortunately, there's no US or Canada release due to the rights issues that we discussed earlier. <laughs> Okay, so we got feedback. We did, um, every episode we have plenty of feedback and we keep them coming. Uh, once again, you can send us feedback at feedback at podshock.org. Um, or, no, I'm sorry, podshock.net. <laughs> It'd be nice if I get the email right. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to um, sending it uh, via email, you can also use Skype or Gizmo and send your audio feedback to Podshock using one of those voice over internet um, applications, once again, Skype or Gizmo project. Or you can call us on the Podshock public call box at 206-888-4-WHO. Once again, that's uh, 206, uh, actually translates to 206-888-4946, and that's the, po the, the Podshock public call box. And um, we always welcome your feedback. Where should we start today? I, I know I had mentioned last week uh, we ran out of time and we couldn't get to Kenneth's, um, so maybe we can start with that and then we'll sure. get to some emails. Um, get to Kenneth's. Uh, he sent two feedbacks last time and we only got to one of them. I'm, I'm not even sure what the second one was, so we're going we're gonna to learn now, won't we? Mm. <laughs> hey there, Podshock Jocks. It's Kenneth from Sheffield, UK. I'd like to say that I've fully caught up with all your podchocks, thoroughly enjoyed them all so far. I'd also like to raise a question for debate. Bearing in mind I only watched the Doctor Who series as a child and haven't re-watched any of them since, so some of my recollection may be slightly faulty. It's my impression that science fiction shows from the 60s and 70s portrayed a future of bright, shiny plastic with a very clinical minimalist feel, and if you look at the original Doctor Who series, the inside of the TARDIS was covered in white plastic panels. Same with the original series of Star Trek and films like 2010 Space Odyssey. Perhaps this was the necessary antithesis 
to a very cluttered field that was pre prevalent in the 60s and 70s. Looking at shows from the 90s and noughties, such as Babylon 5, Farscape, and the 2005-06 series of Doctor Who, you see a much more organic, much less tidy feel with not a white plastic panel in sight. Perhaps that this is the necessary antithesis to the modern sleek minimalist feel which is prevalent in design these days. While we're on the subject of the look of the inside of the TARDIS from the 2005-06 series, as soon as I saw this for the first time, I thought, wow, the inside of the TARDIS looks very like the inside of Moya. I've since wondered if there is more of a Farscape influence than I'd initially thought in this new Doctor Who series. I don't remember from my childhood there being much of a deal made of the TARDIS being biomechanoid. Certainly, there is plenty of reference to it in this series. It seems that TARDIS is a sentient being which can make up its own mind when and where to go. My uh, recollection from previous series is that the TARDIS ending up in the wrong time or space was explained as either the Doctor programming in the coordinates incorrectly or some sort of machine or mechanical failure. Also, this series has made a reference to TARDIS being grown rather than built. So it strikes me that there, this is part of the influence from Farscape of the whole biomechanoid ship issue. Just thought I'd see what you guys think. If you indulge me, I'd be very grateful. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I can kind of see what he's saying there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that there was always a um, reference to the fact that the TARDIS was alive. The Doctor just kind of never rightly came out and said it. I was watching, um, I think it was Spearhead from Space, or one of the John Wee, early John, uh, John Wee, John Pertwee stories, um, very early on in his career as the Doctor, where he was referencing, you know, he, he always called it a she and, you know, saying, oh, she's often temperamental and this, that and the other. Uh, maybe it was when he tried to get away and his, the TARDIS uh, didn't want to go and stuff. And, you know, um, so I think there was always that reference that it was alive, but certainly not in the way that everyone thought that it was alive. Um you know, so I, I, I think perhaps there is a Farscape influence in there. Um, well, I, I was just going to say it's kind of ironic that, that, that we're saying that it um, has a Farscape influence because if you watch Farscape, the first time I've seen Farscape, I thought it was very heavily influenced from Blake 7. So not that Blake I mean, Zen was sort of alive, even though it wasn't organic in Blake 7. But it was a the, the ship was one of the characters was was part yeah. of the seven of Blake Seven was actually the ship itself. So in a sense, I thought um, Farscape was barring or, or was paying tribute a lot to Blake Seven um, in, in many that. different levels. And, I thought that too. Yeah. And if we go back to Doctor Who, the Zygons had this organic um, spaceship as well, and that's um, true. Yeah. It it so it kind of proceeds. Farscape, but the, that's not to say that Farscape didn't have any influence on the new series. It's too bad that Ken's not here because I know Ken had made a comment once before on our um, pot on a on Podshock here uh, concerning that perhaps they might be going too much into the organic 
um, realm with the TARDIS and and um, and also like that that rock spaceship of the, the, the in the Christmas invasion. The I forget the aliens already. Um, but they, they had this like rock like asteroid like spaceship. Mm. I, I I think there may be some truth to that 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 it's too maybe deliberate going in with the organic appeal. I don't I wouldn't say it's too much, but I'm it, it, it may be going a little bit too far there because in the past, um, as James had said, it, it did have a um, a personality. The talk, if, if you go back to um, what was the, the the that William Hartnell story. It was in the beginning box set. I, I, I'm lousy. My, I'm drawing blanks now with names, but where the, the, it was, I think a two-parter that took place completely inside the TARDIS. In the end, the TARDIS was trying to communicate to the characters, and and, and that was back in um, the, that the third episode or fourth episode into Doctor Who, not episode story, into Doctor Who. They, it was already being established that that the TARDIS had its own sort of sentient being almost that it was able to kind of communicate to the travelers within it so i think it goes back to the very beginning though i think now it's just trying to um it's it's being emphasized more so um than ever before in in the new series mm-hmm. yeah i can i can believe that i mean i think that that they're trying to take it in a different direction and i think that uh, the people are bored with this sleek look of um, spaceships and so on. I mean, it's not always been the case. Uh, Star Wars was very nitty-gritty uh, sci-fi. There were a few uh, sci-fi things out there at the yeah. time, things like mm-hmm. the Black Hole. Um, even 2001 A Space Odyssey had its nitty-gritty bits to it where you know, the, the, the darker side of technology and stuff it would be exposed... Well, we were um, just talking about the, the the video movie and the TARDIS interior, how that has changed so drastically from, you know, where you had these, like, steel girder-type beams going above the council uh, of the TARDIS. It, it was very much as far as you can get from that mm-hmm. spankling white, you know, uh, and, you know, almost hospital-like feel of the of the TARDIS that, that was established in the series before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's... The series of what I love about Doctor Who is that the series is constantly evolving and changing, and with each new Doctor, you get a whole different feel and almost like a whole different show. But the soul stays the same; the core of it yeah. stays the same, um, which is why everybody has a favorite Doctor, or you know, people don't like particular stories. And you know, it cause... could be a key to its longevity is that it's constantly reinventing itself, and um, and 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 I guess the you know the new series. Uh, that you know having that line about the TARDIS being grown you know it was again trying to shape the the mythos of of of, of the series and of the TARDIS and because uh, previously it, it was sort of like block transfer computations kind of added rooms to the TARDIS and it seemed mm. more like a like the like the TARDIS was built with mathematical formulas more so than it being grown mm. uh, you know so maybe it's somewhere in between the two spe- um, aspects of it but also, I guess you could say that uh, that they had wanted to add a whole new level of mystery to the TARDIS and how it formed, and a whole mm-hmm. new mystery to the Doctor's people. And uh, you know, 
that was also sort of highlighted in Doomsday with the the, the prison ship, um, all that sort of stuff. So um, you know, I think it's it's I think it's impossible in a two thousand and six or 2007 series modern day not to have influences from other aspects of sci-fi um, I mean clearly Doctor Who even has the, the modern series has its roots in things like Buffy which... Well I was just going to comment that even though I'm at a, I, I, I haven't seen much of Buffy the, the, the Vampire Slayer TV series uh, to my understanding there's influences from that that Russell T Davies has carried over into the new series Yes, exactly right. So I'm just saying that, you know, essentially, I don't think that you that you can't really say that it that it hasn't borrowed things from other series because clearly it has, and um, maybe uh, the production designers were looking at um, Farscape and different bits and bobs, and when they were designing the TARDIS, you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I definitely understand where Kenneth's coming from, and I, I definitely see that as well. You know that 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 whole organic feel to the TARDIS, like the those beams, or those coral-like beams, are very you know organic-like, and it seems to be like a some medium there between biomechanical stuff. You know, not Borg, but you know somewhere different from that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so let's move on to a few emails, yes. shall we? Um, we've got one from a chap called uh, David uh, uh, here in the, the US, and he's saying, uh, I'm a newbie to Doctor Who, and my only experience so far are the past two seasons, which I have enjoyed tremendously. I would like to go back and view old episodes, but I have no idea what to watch since there are so many different years and box sets. Can you recommend a guide as to what to watch and what to avoid? Also, is there a way that you know of a person like myself could get DVDs at a reasonable price? Well, we kind of answered this a while ago, mm -hmm. but I, I kind of wanted to uh, bring this up again because we're, uh, we're getting new listeners to the show all the time, and this is kind of like a, an obvious question for newbies who want to get into the show. Um, but I think, personally, that Amazon is a great place to find Doctor Who stuff. Um, there's all sorts of fantastic DVDs on there. Veteran fans go on and rate um, all the DVDs, um, but really you, you can't go far wrong with the beginning box set which came out recently for me. Um, the City of Death is a fantastic, terrific story. Um, Earthshock is another favourite of Ken's. I know Ken would probably say Earthshock if he was here. Um, yeah. Lewis, are there any ones that you would like to uh, add to that? Well, um, many of them. I, I, I know I've said in the past, The Pyramids of Mars. Yeah, another classic Tom Baker. There's, there's several out there. That, 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 that are worthy I mean, of recommending. The difficulty is, is, as a Doctor Who fan, is that you know, we say here at Podshock, our favourite Doctor is whatever, the, which one we happen to be watching at the time, you know, and uh, that's very, very true. There are all sorts of different ones you could go through and you could pick out your favourite story uh, from each Doctor and then even more beyond. So uh, get out there and just, just see what, I mean, because everybody has a particular style that they like. Uh, yeah, yeah. But generally yeah, and, and... speaking, most, you can't go wrong. If you, if you were to 
uh, close your eyes in the video shop in the Doctor Who section, stick your hand out and grab one. You probably mm -hmm. can't go far wrong with that even, to be honest, because all of them are, have their own fantastic qualities. There's also many uh, Doctor Who websites that offer visitors a chance to like vote on their favorite episodes. And, and if you go with like any of the top ten generally that, that, fa that fandoms usually picks, you know, City of Death, uh, you know, many of the ones that we've always, you know, that we've recommended in the past will be, um, you know, good, good choices. Indeed, indeed. And, and also, as far as uh, getting good prices on DVDs, you could try uh, DVDPriceSearch.com. That's one word, DVDPriceSearch.com. And that will give you, it, it, it's set up to look, it's sort of like a store, but it's not actually a store that gives you links to stores that you can make your purchases, but it will give you a good price comparison of DVDs and, and who has the lowest prices. And uh, it's it's a good tool to use. And you could you could keep DVDs in your shopping cart, you know, of DVDs that you want to buy and then go back and load it up. You know, it saves it in a cookie, whatever, on, in your browser, and you can load it up and see what, you know, what's next on your list that you might want to buy and who has it for... Uh, the best price and mm. also give star ratings on those retailers so you know you know you can trust a, a certain retailer that has that that comes highly recommended so you might want to check that out it also in if you're feeling uh, a bit more spendy if you want to support the Gallifrey and embassy and indeed Podshock in general because of course we're fan run and we don't make any profit from from uh, making the show at all if you head over to our website, podshock.net, uh, we have several links there, like things like the BBC shop, um, mm -hmm. Amazon, uh, you can buy a t-shirt, whatever. But if you want to buy a DVD, there's all sorts of things there, which if you click on them and buy a DVD, a small percentage of the sale will help and go towards Absolutely. Uh, yes. Podshock. So that's another great way. I think it, there's loads of links from Amazon on the right-hand side. There's the, the first series box set and mm -hmm. Genesis of the Daleks, Re Revelation of the Daleks, all sorts. Of, it might even be randomly generated every time you go and BBC America shop, all sorts. The, you head on over there, the, you would go far yeah. wrong. There's also the shop... Um, if you, if you on the top navigation bar, there's um, a link there that's a shop, and if you click on that, that will bring you to a whole page of uh, links to um, places that you can buy Doctor Who merchandise that that will help the help you know the website and the podcast. Mm, awesome. So then, let's uh, move on to the next piece of feedback. I believe that you have we we mentioned a while ago about um, different uh, Doctor Who in various different countries and it's just you know going to be coming out in Germany and also I think we mentioned about Scandinavia and uh, a guy called Rune and I'm sorry Rune I don't know how to pronounce your surname so I'm not even going to try because I don't want to uh, make a hash of it but he, he made a small audio comment about uh, Doctor Who on Norwegian telly so uh, take it away Rune Hi Podchuckers my name is Rune Kindre I just wanted to inform any Norwegian listeners that 22nd August Norwegian television is again sending Doctor Who starting with the first episode of the Christopher Eccleston season and continuing on with the David Tennant series. Keep up the good work. See ya! Awesome! So... Uh 
Yeah, on, on, a, on a similar sort of international theme, we had uh, an email from someone from South Korea called uh, Yong Jin Kim, who's uh, 24 years old. It's quite a lengthy email, but I'm just going to go through it and kind of uh, break it down in stages. And he, he basically says that he's been a regular listener and big fan since the first episode, and he's, he's, he's loved it, and the informative news and previews and reviews have all been great. Um, and hearing feedback from enthusiastic Doctor Who fans is also great. And the small jokes that we uh, that we we make throughout the show. But he also says that one to two hours uh, may seem quite long, but he thinks it isn't enough. And he's become a big fan of uh, both myself, Lewis, and Ken, which is pretty awesome because we've got a, a nice chemistry going on. Um, and he's basically sent in his thoughts about uh, the show and but he's he's been quite a shy listener so uh, but he was he was also afraid that his emails would get uh, lost and unnoticed because obviously we do get a huge amount of feedback here and I have to reiterate again what Lewis said at the start of the feedback segment we do apologize if we can't get to your message we do try but obviously we are absolutely inundated with email all the time um, but he basically he moved to England when he was one and stayed here until he was seven and avidly remembers watching Sylvester McCoy uh, on telly and, and quite liked him uh, but also he says which is something which I can have an affinity with he found the show absolutely terrifying and uh, hid, hid behind the sofa literally when it was on but uh, but loved it and he's he's now moved back to Korea and has ha hasn't really had uh, many opportunities to watch the show again, um, but, but likes to read the books and uh, you know remember what the show is like. But uh, he heard about the new series and um, he you know he he's really gotten into it, which is really awesome. So um, thanks for the feedback, uh, Young Jin. Yes, yeah, um, it's also, a great email. It is a great email. It's quite lengthy, so I felt I had to um, condense it somewhat. But also, he's he's mentioned about the fact that he's starting a new website um, shortly, which uh, is basically a, a Korean fan site all about Doctor Who, and he's actually going to be featuring our new sections uh, translated, obviously, into Korean for Korean uh, listeners. So uh, we'll send a link out there once we have more information and once we've collaborated more uh, with Yong. So uh, cheers for that, mate. It's always great to, to have emails from fans, particularly fans who create websites and uh, want to get uh, Doctor Who news out there to fans from around the world. So uh, cheers, yeah, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's always fascinating how widespread, you know, th th this is, you know, and, and here he, he is in South Korea and you know it sort of reminds me when the news broke about Billy Piper leaving one of the initial news um, articles um, that were that was reporting this was a paper from North Korea which I just scratching my head I had no idea North Korea was getting Doctor Who and or cared about <laughs> it and was reporting about Billy Piper leaving Doctor Who and it's it just reminds me just how entrenched Doctor Who is all over the world you know, and um, it, it's it's it, we're just honored to be you know that that we could play a, a you know a part in in connecting fans with with their passion. Mm. Mm. Yeah, indeed. So then, 
What else have we got in the Podshock mailbox? Um, um, well, we've got we've got plenty of uh, email this week, and uh, we've had another little email which came in today from Victor, and he's from New Jersey. He's moans about that it's the most expensive place to live in the galaxy. I'm afraid he hasn't been in New York. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm afraid I don't know too much about that. But he said that he just wanted to drop a guys a, a short note to say how much he enjoys the pod shock and listens every day in the way on the way to work on the New Jersey Turnpike. Um, and he he wishes he had a TARDIS so that he could beat the tolls. But uh, <laughs> don't now, we all? Indeed. But now the current series has uh, been reviewed, um, he thinks that a segment on uh, the current merchandising of Doctor Who would be a nice feature. Mm -hmm. um, just a quick search on Amazon UK revealed a bunch of neat things. And of course, we're looking forward to the soundtrack that is coming soon. So he says... Go on, sorry, Liz. No, no, go ahead. Finish it up. I, I just, I... He was just saying, well, uh, all for now. That's all for now. Keep it the good work. Podshock is the best from Victor. So, yeah, cheers, mate. Anyway, go yeah, on, guys. I, I was just about to say that, you know, previously we had been doing reviews of Doctor Who merchandise as well, outside of the DVDs and, and, and video mm, content. We were, books, you know, uh, we reviewed the Sonic Screwdriver, the, the TARDIS Talking Money Bank. Um, the, uh, I, I don't know if we ever did get to review the, the, the remote controls or uh, Daleks, or maybe someone sent in a review of that. I know I, I've gotten yes. two of them myself that I, I wanted to... Comment about and now that we're done reviewing both the Christopher Eccleston and the first series of David Tennant, that you know we can get back to all the other Doctor merchandise and books and um, you know we continue with the Big Finish reviews and but but you know I think he was implying more of the collectible type of stuff you know where mm. um, yeah all that is fair game it's just. <laughs> Fortunately, we the podcast can only be so long, and we try to get to you know fit so much in it as we can. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. definitely, yes, yes, and thank you so much, Victor, with um, for your kind words, and we're very appreciative of it. Indeed, indeed, always love it. So, uh, is there any more feedback that we can squeeze well, in, Lewis? Yeah, there is, but but we're we're getting really tight on time, and and maybe to that point, I just want to uh, because we've had gotten several feedback messages so if i can kind of be a collective reply to some of the feedbacks that we're getting about the uh, concerning the show length and um I, I know it's a concern for some and we are you know doing our best to get the shows down and in, in running time really so it's less strenuous editing the show as well so i think we're on the same page with that and i know several people have sent feedbacks with you know breaking the show down if you do five minutes here and ten minutes that that and I, I just do want to say that we when we did set up to do this podcast we did have a breakdown on how long the segments should be and the format and all that and but the thing is that we don't we're not that strict to setting to sticking to that uh because it is a podcast it's not a radio series where uh a radio show that 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 the freedom of a podcast is that if the news warrants 20 minutes or a half hour to devote to the news we can give it you know so we don't have to like cut it off after 10 minutes and um or if a review demands more time we can give it more time if it so demands it 
you know, having said that, we'll still try to bring the show in a reasonable length. But um, but that's really the whole spirit of podcasting is breaking away and having that freedom from what traditional broadcast, terrestri- uh, terrestrial broadcast radio has always been restricted and tied to, you know, making room for commercial breaks. And so we do have guidelines that we we have in our heads, but we're not we're not going to. Um, break it away and, and stop something and, and, and give you less content only because, you know, we're, we're only allocating seven minutes for for this and seven minutes to that, whatever. So we we try to stick to it, but we're not... <laughs> I'm, I'm rambling on now, so uh, I don't know, James, if you have any comments on that. Yeah, I mean, we try our best to try and keep things down and provide an entertaining show, but obviously we do appreciate feedback and... Um, all I can say is, is that just bear with us. If if the show is too long, please don't tune out if if you find that, or indeed if you find the the show too short. We try to provide a, an entertaining service and allow you guys to give us feedback, and that's what we really enjoy and appreciate. So um, you know, all I can say is, is that we we're trying to modify the show all the time based on the mm-hmm. number of emails that we get and the feedback that we get. Um, and we too, we do continue to get like every for every one feedback that says the episodes are too long, we get another one saying it's not long enough. So it's Indeed. you know so it's it's a mixed bag. We try to get a happy medium, so to speak. Yes. So, yeah. There we are. There we are. So to that point, I think we're going to conclude um, this episode of Doctor Who Podshock, and we'll return with another exciting new episode of Doctor Who Podshock. Hopefully, Ken will be with us. And um, we'll have more news, more reviews, uh, more feedback, and whatever else that that, that we may decide to drop in there. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, so uh, see you next time on another exciting episode of Doctor Do Podshock. Bye for now. Take care, and don't try this at home. Indeed. Do it at a friend's house. You've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan-run GallifreyanEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Each time.